Welcome to the Yorkshire Grit Podcast. Tackling some of the biggest issues in men's mental health. Welcome back. This is Series 2, Episode 7 of the Yorkshire Grit Podcast. I'm joined by Jake Stewart. Jake, thanks for coming. Yeah, privilege. You finally got here. I didn't think you were going to turn up. Ah, wait. You said half four that we were going to be starting, and you you rang me at ten past four. So you at Starbucks waiting for me. Uh, so I, I actually rang you uh, on that unknown number, didn't I? And I was like, uh, "Hello, is this uh, Jake Stewart?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got second at Umlop, and then you were like, "Who the fuck is this?" Yeah. Look, thanks for driving over. I know the M62 is a is a bit of a bit of a pig. Yeah, it's fucking shit. So um, massively appreciate that. So since I put you up. Uh, on the Instagram saying that you were coming Every, I reckon like 10 messages just people going like where's he come from like what's he do you find that annoying now or, you, or is it fucking hell that's mint like because I think I'd quite like that people to go where's he come from because like Tom Pickcock you know you and him everyone knows Tom Pickcock everyone but for you it's almost like well hang on he just got second at Umlot the day before he got third at Kern how would you find it all is it all a little bit surreal yeah. <laughs> It's kind of one of the things I think, uh, you know, I've grown up with Tom anyway, so we've been on the programme together since we were so young and, yeah. and all that, so kind of good mates with him and all that. But um, I don't know, it's kind of, it shouldn't be a surprise that I've, I've popped up where I have, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because I've been with FDJ for two years on the Continental team and now I'm like World Tour, I signed World Tour with him in October. I read Flanders and Ghent and, you know, I got, yeah, okay, I've popped up with good results, but it's kind of like I've been in that, been in the picture for a while. It's just, I think you put it down to the British media, really. I think there's an obsession around so many, a few riders and then everyone else is ignored. And then when you do get a result, it's like, oh, fuck me. Where's this boy come from? But really you, you've been there or thereabouts anyway. So I put that up yesterday, actually, on Instagram saying about uh, like football, obviously gets defragmented every single day by analysts and stuff. And um, Cav yesterday, I watched GP uh, once, however you, how do you spell, how do you pronounce that GP once, where, whatever. Once a day. Um, and, I, and I watched it and I really wanted him to win like I like from the gut of my stomach I wanted him to win because I had pneumonia which is the same family as Epstein but whatever the fuck and I and you can tell what he's been through like you you can tell like winning means everything to him and his identity recently has been changed and challenged and he's been a little bit depressed but for him to get seconds, a massive result. But like people won't really talk about it. While in football, it's it's every day. And like as you've just rightly said, them people haven't really spoke about you. And then all of a sudden, boom, second. But then I'm a bit of a hypocrite because when you got second, I was like straight on the phone. <laughs> 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 Will you come on? <laughs> but no, mate. It's it, it it's it's all it's it's just amazing, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Your wildest dreams. Could you have ever thought you got second at a semi classic? Yeah, I think. Um, well, like, like it's come as a surprise to so many people. It came as a bit of a surprise to me, but really, when you look at it, it shouldn't have come as a surprise because I know the work that I've put in over the winter, and you know, I can't. I know the bike rider that I am, and I've got good results as an under twenty three with Flanders and Ghent and stuff like that. Anyway, so you know, it comes as yeah, it comes as a surprise being able to perform as a world tour rider. But um, in a, in a sense of where I've where I've been training and how I've been training over the winter to myself like I know that I've been putting in the hard work so it shouldn't really come as a surprise kind of thing but um, yeah I think it just kind of announces myself on the world tour scene doesn't it and uh, sets me up for a good career You strike me as someone um, not confident but um, like Cockershaw you seem very kind of uh, unflustered you, just, you know I've just met you there confident lad um, he's just said then I put in the hard work so I know what I'm capable of 
are we talking um, massive weeks in Manchester every day, just relentless? Or are you sensible with your training? Are you sensible with your diet? Because we've heard like every single cyclist has got an eating disorder yeah. or, or some form of eating problem. Yeah. Um, sorry, I shouldn't say that. That's a really bad thing to say. But are you obsessed? Are you relaxed? What sort of person? No, I think uh, when I look at a number of cyclists, you know, you can see that all their life is a cycling. Yeah. You know, I think a good example, it might not be the case, but, you know, Wout van Aert, Matthew van der Poel, they're on the cyclocross scene all winter and then they're straight into a road season and then they're straight into cyclocross. Like, I don't know where they draw the line between bike riding and and being a human and having a family and and, and Well, Gilbert said that, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I think I think certainly... You said they'll crack. Yeah, I think there's going to be a point, you know, when it comes that you can only manage so much. Um, but for myself, like, I've kind of, you know... I, I was on the programme, I was with, with BC, I think, you know, I was probably one of the best coaches that I've ever worked with is Keith, Keith Lambert. Um, <laughs> Lego. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, he's, there's so many lessons that I learned from Keith that I've taken forward to, to this day and continue to like implement in both training and life. And by no means am I obsessed with the bike, you know, if as a, as a bike rider, it's a selfish sport, everyone knows, you know, you've, you've got to be selfish, but if it got to a point where, you know, it was impacting relationships, family, and stuff like this, I'd drop it, drop it straight away because, you know, life's, life's so short. What's the point in just being a bike rider, trying to be the best bike rider that you can be when, you know, you're throwing everything else away behind you? So by no means am I obsessed, but I think, um, you know, I know putting the hard work in at the end of the day, if you get good results, you get a good wage and you can help your family. And yeah, I think more than anything, that's my motivation is just to give a good life to you know the people around me. So Wow, you're beyond your years, mate. <laughs> you, you, know, you know you are, you, you're really... You know, you, you're sitting here today as someone who, you know, I can't believe you're this 21-year-old. You, you, you're saying things that, are, you know, you should be saying when you're like 35 and you're kind of, uh, because it is an all or nothing sport um, and it is a selfish sport. You don't really have friends. It's because you've kind of got to flick each other really to, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do have to go out training. Uh, but look, take us back to, because you're from Coventry. Yeah. So are you a Sky Blue? Is that you? If I supported football, yeah, if I watched it, but I mean, I don't even watch it. So. Highfield Road back yeah. in the day. Well, yeah, exactly. Rico so Arena now, isn't it? Rico Arena. Yeah, but that's owned by the Wasps, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. London Wasps rugby, so they've got more of a say in it than Sky Blues. But <laughs> So you were brought up in Coventry. Yeah. So you Because you have got that Birmingham twang yeah, yeah, to your yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell us about that. Tell us about... Was, is it a cycling family? Not even really. You know, my... Um, to be fair, it probably all came from my, uh, my uncle. He was into like... Ironmans, triathlons, he was pretty serious with that, you know, he's done multiple Ironmans in, you know, in decent times and whatnot. So, you know, he was always into the swimming, running, cycling and uh, my dad just got involved with it. He's always ridden from a young age, but nothing, you know, competitive, like he'd go out and enjoy bike riding and whatnot. But um, yeah, it just kind of came from triathlon and, you know, started bike riding and for the triathlon and swimming and running and then realised I was pretty shit really at <laughs> swimming and running and bike riding was the only only place. He wants to do triathlon anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's just a horrible sport. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> It's just brutal, but yeah, um, yeah. So kind of focused on the bike, and my dad said, "Look, if if you want to if you want to take it seriously, then you need to join a cycling club." club. So I joined uh, Solial CC, and then yeah, my dad spent I don't know five hundred quid on a little aluminium frame, and kind of you know he's always said that's the f best five hundred quid he's ever spent because really? it just it just lifted off from that kind of thing. And then and is your dad are you close with your dad? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a single child anyway, so I'm close with both my parents. And uh, what's your dad called? Paul. Mum. Esther. 
Paul, Paul and Esther. Yeah. And so, what are you? You know, loving family? Are they? Are they? Are they? Are they um, would they come to races? Yeah. Would, I mean, yeah. I think as a, through my childhood, I was so well supported by both my parents. They were, um, you know, my dad was into cycling. My mum didn't really enjoy cycling. She did a bit here and there, but she wanted to be involved in the sport and come to bike races with me and my dad because she didn't want to be left at home. And the weekend and stuff, so she started doing like qualification with BC. So she was like commissaring right, at yeah. a number of races and stuff like that. So it's all, yeah, you know, it's, we're, we're a close family. Well, we are a close family. And, uh, you know, they was always supportive and they always said, look, if if you ever, you know, we've spent this much money on you, but if you ever want to stop cycling and just, you know, do something else because you're not enjoying it, then by all means do it. So, you know, there was never pressure on me. There was never, you know, there was never pushy parents. And yeah, there's just always respect there. I'm, I'm an only child. So that's quite interesting. You don't often meet. You don't often meet people who are only child children now, do you? Yeah, it's quite rare. Yeah, I, I, I think it's quite rare. Yeah, possibly. Um, but so you, Solihull, and then obviously, did you get hooked? Was it like um, you sacked off triathlon, Solihull CC, and then the next stage after that was it academy? Was it? Is a you must have won some races before. Yeah, though. I mean, uh, so what? I probably started when I was like under twelve or something with Solihull. Just kind of got the bug for it. I just enjoyed it more more than anything. Was just the social side. Um, like I remember the first road race I did, I crashed and like it was just like ah fuck this, this is horrible. Like yeah, I don't want to be doing this to myself. <laughs> uh, my dad just said I'll stick at it. Yeah. You know, enjoyed the social side of it, Catherine stuff like that, going to the cafe and yeah, and then kind of got hooked on it like uh, that era with like t Tim Buckle. Mm -hmm. when he was involved in the sport for like and he was more like West Midlands and like Northwest region um, and he like used to come down and do like uh, club talks and talking with like the kids about I don't know structure and training and like to be fair it wasn't even structure and training it was about enjoying riding your bike and then you know training when when the need comes for it and kind of he, him and uh, Rob Sharman which also was working with him as a like he was they were together cyclist, yeah yeah, yeah. came down and like did a club talk with Solihull and uh I came, came away from that and they were talking about training schedules training plans and I was probably what second year under 14 first year under 16 and I just said to my dad look I want to do that and he said well by all means like you put something together send it over to your club coach work with Robin Fox who was basically you know got me to where I was to progress onto the to the performance pathway and yeah just got hooked on it from there and then from then yeah through the performance pathway and through GB. Did anyone inspire you? Were you watching cycling or was it more just you were just going out? Because you're probably too young to watch the tour then. Yeah, I th yeah, I didn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't really on my radar watching, watching. Mm. like I'd see my dad watching it and it's like four hours on TV and I was like, well, why the fuck would you want to watch that for four hours when the only interesting bit is like the last 5K. Like last so 5K. yeah, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't as if I was like obsessed with it as a kid and just, yeah. you know, that was all I was thinking about and like flicking through magazines and stuff like that. Like, I didn't give a fuck about that. I just, just, just enjoyed work. riding my bike and, you know, just wanted to, I don't know, it was that competitive side in training hard. Are you, are you uber competitive? I wouldn't even say uber competitive. Like I know people that are more, like my girlfriend is way more competitive than I am. Sure, like you get Monopoly out at Christmas and you know, there's bound to be a falling out. But What's your girlfriend called? Georgia. Jo and how long have you been with Georgia for? Uh, yeah. I should have prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> four, four, four years in November, I think. And so she's obviously a massive part of your life. She oh yeah, massively. I mean, because I met her through cycling anyway. So, and then she's moved away from the sport and uh, enjoying different things just because she wasn't enjoying enjoying cycling. So, and did and has she always been from Manchester? No, no, she's from. So she's from like down near me, Wolverhampton originally. So, so oh, but you moved away. to Manchester because of the the academy. Yeah, yeah. So we was both we was both on the the senior senior academy at the same time. 
So my both our first years into twenty three. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and then you both settled in Manchester. Yeah, we have done now. Yeah. And what? Um, so what was the academy like? You were a young lad, moved away from home, and was it was it Keith, just Keith Lambert then? Was it just? Yeah. So when I when I first joined the academy, it was Keith Lambert and Brian Stevens. Okay. I think Brian Stevens was supposed to do the whole year with us, and basically did three months with us, I think, and. Uh, had an offer from Sunweb, went over to Sunweb. Okay. And this was, I think my, fir my first year academy was supposed to be Keith Lambert's last year, yeah. supposedly. But I mean, he just loves it, doesn't he? So he, I think he's only just left this year, but. Keith is just, you know. <laughs> oh, he's just a legend of the sport, really, and he just. You just want to hug him. Oh, yeah. Or like, him to give you a hug, like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, a Jurgen yeah. Klopp hug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's like a, yeah, he's like, he was certainly like a granddad fi figure for all of us lads on. Yeah. And, you know, he was so much more than just a coach. Yeah. I think everyone that you speak to will say the same thing. And do you feel like he got the best out of you? Oh, by, yeah. You know, he was, yeah. I, there's, like I said earlier, there's so many things that I've learned from Keith that I just carry forward into life now. And I think, you know, they'll stay with me, you know, forever kind of thing. Because he's just such a down-to-earth guy. He's just so great. And he just understood us, not only as bike riders, but as people and as humans. And I think so many... So many coaches don't really see that. They just see you as bike riders and they ignore... And numbers that you push. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, really, because um, there's a lot coming out at the moment. Yeah, actually, it's your DS, Mark Mario, did a press conference with Thibaut Pino, didn't he? And he said that we're risking losing cyclists because of this robotic nature of numbers. And um, and we touched on Team Ineos and someone that we know has left and stuff. And... Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more that, you know, there has to be like a humanistic nature to cycling because it is so hard. Um, I don't think you can just... I never trained with power or anything like that. I just go out, train hard, kick fuck out of each other and then do a chain gang on the night and grovel home. But yeah, I used yeah. to buzz off that. Oh, yes, yeah. Or put a loop in after a race if you're mega keen and you're like, fuck me, I'm mega keen. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, eat a load of shit when you get home and... Uh, but do you feel that intense pressure at FDJ? Because I was always big, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I remember going to races. And if you see someone who's like ripped up, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's lean as fuck. Oh, fuck's <laughs> sake. And I'd, I would do it every race. Yeah. And like when I used to get changed in the car park, I'd like hide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Proper unconfident. Would like literally hide. Yeah. But are you not intimidated by people like that? Are you just like, uh, I, I, I couldn't give a fuck. You seem very kind of sure of yourself, like I said. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, yeah. I think I've I've got a tolerance to be able to turn around to people and say, no, fuck you, I don't think, you know, I don't I don't agree with what you're saying kind of thing. But yeah, I think certainly so, so much of cycling, so many people see cyclists as robots rather than as, as, as humans. And I think it, probably not even in cycling alone, probably across all elite sport is the focus is it is on the athlete first rather than as the human first and the athlete comes second. So it's all well and good training, but training, I think, should be split up into physical and mental. So if you train in the physical, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you can do 500 watts for five minutes or whatever you fucking do it. But what's going to stop people from cracking? Because if you look at people like Kittle, Kenner, who's that guy just quit recently? Lotto Jumbo. Uh, Dumoulin. Dumoulin. Lopez came out recently and said he's been struggling because of the intense pressure of numbers and numbers and numbers. I trained with a power meet, I reckon, for about three months, and it was the worst three months of my life. Yeah. Because I could never hit the numbers that I was yeah. doing. <laughs> like, um, that they made me try and do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I couldn't do that. So fair play to you for kind of, uh, 
you know, it seems like it's water off a duck's back to you. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was writing, um, so I've got an article with Cycling Weekly like once a month. I'd written it up this morning. It oh, was, good on you. Know, you. It was, it was uh, it was due on Thursday, but it came in. So it's Monday. But <laughs> so when will this article be out? So I think it's it's either this Thursday or next Thursday. I can never remember which way. It we'll look around. out for that. But I mean, you know, that article was, you know, it's something that's resonated with me more so these last few weeks just because I've been getting results. And, you know, everyone knows that saying, like, a happy rider is a fast bike rider. And it's not really until, like, these last few weeks that I've really realised that actually that is the case. You know, by no means in, like, in recent years have I been unhappy on the bike, but maybe, you know, I was carrying some burdens or... You know, like the last two years I've been in France and especially last year, given COVID, you know, it was a bit tough. So then we had a big break back in the UK and then like we had four months in France, basically, without going home, without seeing girlfriends and family and shit like that. And kind of that's, it wasn't. That, that, that's too much, that. Well, yeah, exactly. It is is too much. But like given the circumstances of the year, it was kind of necessary if you wanted to be racing. And I kind of saw it as that because I knew if I wanted to get a World Tour contract, then look, I need to be in, in France for these four months to get my racing in. But it was kind of like, I wasn't unhappy when I was out there, but maybe I was, I was living with a lad who was clearly unhappy. And then that kind of rubbed off on me. Carlson anyway. And uh, I mean, it's only normal, but he was waking up every morning like, oh, fuck this. I, you know, <laughs> I can't be going out today. I'm fucking oh. so demotivated, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'd wake up feeling decent. And then, you know, you'd be encountered with this and you're like, yeah. actually, fuck this. Yeah, this is shite. But in the end, like, it was never that I was unhappy, but... You know, I was getting decent results, but I wasn't, you know, getting them real amazing results. And then, you know, I've signed my World Tour contract for October and then kind you had, of... You had a really good 2020. You yeah, yeah, yeah. In the end, exactly. Tour of Limousines. Yeah, Tour de Limousines. And that was just before I signed my contract. And I knew about that contract. So, like, once that was kind of in my head, you know, I was, you know, a bit more settled. I knew that I wasn't going to have to spend th this year now in France because I'd have a World Tour contract. I could live where I want. Um, and then obviously, you know, I've just like moved house with my girlfriend and, you know, leading a life, like a happy life. Yep. And that's rubbed off on my bike ride. And it's not just the fact that I've been doing hard training. It's the fact also that, you know, I'm happy mentally and it makes such a difference to be able to perform on the bike. Talk is, um, it's amazing to hear that. It, it really is. Talk is about the two years in France. Was that because you left the academy, that warm blanket of Keith Lambert? Why France? Why why not Belgium? Why yeah. Why not UK? So yeah, obviously I was on the academy. It's a, you know it's a story that I've said so many times. Is basically I didn't see myself excelling on the track. I didn't see myself fighting for a position for the Olympics. And you know if it wasn't going to be this Olympics, then it's going to be in four years' time. So suddenly that's nearly six years before actually I'm getting anywhere on the track. Yeah. And it was kind of like a decision that I decided to take and said, look, I don't want to focus on the track. I want to step away from the track and you know pursue a career on the road because. I was stronger on the road anyway and saw a career there. So then I was second at Get Weather Game that first year on, on under 23. And then that kind of basically sparked like the desire to to, to race on the road because I realised my potential. And then that year was my first year under 23. That was the first year that, well, that was when FDJ, the development team, were in the making basically. So that was when they started scouting riders. And they came to me after Ghent and said, look, we want to, you know, have a chat with you, see what you think about this and like maybe sign you for... The Continental yeah, team? Yeah, the Continental team for 2020. And were you buzzing? Were you like, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think um, because I kind of, you know. Or was your girlfriend like, are you fucked <laughs> going to France? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, uh, so like when I when I spoke to people about it, they was like, no, fuck that, you don't want to do that. You know, British riders in French teams, they die there. There's yeah. nothing there for British riders, basically. And, you know, I had conversations with, it was as Keith Lambert was leaving and Matt Bramier was 
you know, starting yep. the the junior uh, the senior academy as like fresh from his career on the road and kind of spoke it through with him and he was saying like, look, you, you're not going to get the same support in France with the team that you get with GB, you know, his best performance pathway, blah, 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 and all this. And in the end, I kind of thought, well, I don't see myself, you know, chasing a career on the track. So fuck it, what, what's there mm. to lose? Might as well just uh, get stuck in and go out to France. And yeah, when I look back at it now, it's, you know, the best decision that I've made because... What? I think if I hadn't have done it, I'd still be in the program now and COVID and all this, and, and suddenly yeah. I'd be without a contract. Where else in France were you living? So I was living down in Besançon, so it's just on that east coast, just like east side, just like north of Lyon. Right. Okay. Basically, get off the tunnel and drive east. A road. This isn't a plug. This isn't me trying to like say I'm mint here. But when I when I left uni, I rode from Sheffield to Barcelona, and we rode through France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cherbourg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nyon, Toulouse, Cognac. Yeah. Perpignan. Yeah, yeah. Nowhere near you. No, <laughs> miles away. <laughs> but uh, I, I I, loved riding through France. I loved the people. I loved the boulangeries. Yeah. Did you pick up French? Yeah, I'm getting there. I, I, I can hold a decent enough conversation with... Um, with je m'appelle Jacques. Je voudrais uh, uh, beer. Yeah. I would like a beer. Uh, that, that's basically the extent of what my French was when I first joined was the it? team. Yeah, but <laughs> I can get by now kind of thing and uh, communicate with them. But yeah, I think the biggest thing about moving to France was learning the language so you can just try at least try and enjoy life because, you know, if you're not speaking the language, you're not socialising with people. Nope. You know, you, you're only socialising with people on your team. Um, was it a team house? Or? And even them, half of them are French anyway. Was so. it a flat or something? No, so, I mean, we was... The good thing about France is the way they're set up is if you're a continental team, you have to pay a minimum wage. I think the minimum wage is a thousand euros per month, and we was just upwards of that, so it was on nearly twenty thousand euros per year. That's good, isn't it? Um, so yeah, it was you know it was a decent wage. So the team said, look, you find your own uh, like accommodation, and uh, we'll support you as long as it's near to the service course which we had in Besançon. So I was just living with one of a rider on the team, a Slovenian lad called Ziga. Is he riding now? Is he yeah, riding? he's at Androni now. So. How is he? And is he good? Is he, yeah, yeah, I mean, he he was the lad that beat me at Gent Wavel game the year. Okay. Um, so he, he won Gent. Um, but yeah, he's a fucking strong rap pack rider. So the two years, tough mentally a little bit. Yeah. Not being able to see your girlfriend as much yeah. or go home. 2020, you had a really good year. You had some, a lot of seconds and a lot of... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Podiums and top fives. Yeah, but <laughs> like bloody hell, that's some people never get that in their yeah. career. And then someone came knocking. What was that like? Was it a phone call? Was it an email? Was it a text? Do you, is it literally Mark Madio goes, "Hey Jake, uh, uh, do you want to sign?" Or like, how does it work? Yeah, it, I, it was pretty bizarre to be fair. Because um, so like, I did my first year in the twenty three with the development team twenty nineteen. I'd had some like good results, you know, a third at Flanders, you know, multiple top fives. A uh, load of top tens and whatnot, and um, so I kind of like speaking with the team. I said to them, "Look, I want to try and sign at the end of 2020 a World Tour contract with the Conti team." I'm saying this to them to sign for the World Tour team, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we think if you you know carry on on your progression, then that should be the logical move for the team to make to sign you for for World Tour as long as you carry on progressing the way you're progressing." So you know, I was real motivated to start 2020. Did training camps with the team. Then I went out, did Algarve with the World Tour team. So that was like the first when they changed the rules for uh, content, like development teams being able to ride with the World Tour team and whatnot. So I did Algarve. So that was kind of a foot in the door and, you know, at least I'm on the radar of the World Tour team. And then did a couple of races in Belg uh, Belgium and Holland. And then uh, went on a little training camp with one of the other teammates down in uh, Niv on 2, just for some better weather because, 
Best and Son was like some real shit weather over them mm. two weeks. And it was just before, you know, I was wanting to target the classics with Flanders and Ghent yeah. and all these and Triptyque. Um, so I went in training camp and then that was when COVID was kicking off. And like, we were just waking up each morning and it was like, this race has been canceled, this race has been canceled, this race has been canceled. And we was just kind of like, well, fuck this. This is like, you know, we're not gonna have a season here. So we like finished our little training block. We had like seven days out there. We did like two, three day blocks. It was like fucking decent block of training, like dead prepared. And it was like, yeah, the calendar's just wiped out. And then no. went back to Besançon. And then uh, in the end, yeah, we was in Besançon like two or three days. And then they just said like, like you can go back to the UK. We, we ain't got any racing. Everyone's in lockdown. Borders are closed. So, you know, buzzing. go back. So yeah, it was kind of like, at least I'm not having to spend fucking four months straight yeah, in France. But with a lad. Yeah, but like, it, you know, we wasn't bike racing, so that that was a bit of a kick in the teeth. And because I was so motivated to move up to the World Tour, and yeah. I knew I needed some good results to be able to do that. And you did, you got yeah, some in the end, yeah. Because you know the the season opened up again, we yeah. went back out to France and and all that. But and then you got the call to say, look, yeah, that, I mean that was so bizarre because like it was before Limousin anyway, and I was down to ride Limousin with the World Tour team as part of like the the mix between the continent and World Tour team. And like I'd had like a couple of the lads over in the evening like we had like a little barbecue some beers and whatnot they'd just gone home and then uh i had a phone call from yvonne madio who's so mark's brother okay um and he like manages the contracts basically and he was like oh yeah we'd like to sign you for wow you know world tour team and it was kind of like fuck me like this we like, suddenly it's like surreal yeah yeah, yeah. like I, i'd got off the phone to her and i just remember my girlfriend's probably still got i've probably still got the voice note on my phone and it was like uh you know, I just like screamed down the phone. I was like, we've fucking done it. Like, yeah, yeah. finally fucking done it. Like, it's kind of... That's amazing. It's like what you're chasing. You're, like, from once you realise you want to be a professional bike rider, it's what you're chasing through, you know, junior, under 23. And like, got better, better than getting your GCSE like, results. Oh, way better. Well, GCSE <laughs> results. What the fuck do they mean anyway? <laughs> better than passing your driving test. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of... <laughs> yeah, it was like, finally fucking made it. Like, yeah. I can get out of France. You know. <sighs> Today's episode is sponsored by Allowlist, a cybersecurity company. And Lee has actually kindly come over today to tell us a little bit about it. Lee, tell us about your company. I'll do. That's how I start every conversation. <laughs> you want to pick up the phone. Back to the Yorkshire roots. Uh, yeah, so I'm one of the founders and the CEO of Allowlist. We pride ourselves on being the one-stop shop for cybersecurity, information security, data protection, and IT. Okay. Um, you know, we work with companies of... All sizes from, you know, yours truly, Yorkshire Grit, helping you uh, trying to sort your website out, yep, yep. finding you the right guys for that. We work with um, the Struggle Events guys, yep. um, you know, we, we, we help them out with some of their security stuff through to, you know, PLCs and banks and, um, you know, football clubs and everything in between. We help them from, as I said, websites to security testing to compliance, um, IT issues and mm -hmm. um, er, kind of everything around that ballpark area our yorkshire ethics come into it okay you know, people have deep pockets but short arms right. <laughs> so, so if there's anyone listening who wants to set up a website yeah if they want to set up a website um you know we can help them find a good provider if they want to do some security testing if they want to look at doing backups of you know company data or if they've got things around gdpr mm -hmm. which is the things a few people may know of um you know yeah we, we can help you out we don't charge for our time. We spend the time, our time looking at the market and making sure you make the best investment. They make the right choices, okay. uh, essentially, for them. Great stuff. And there'll be a link uh, on the Instagram page today where you can find Lee's company on there. And uh, he's got a website. What's the website? Uh, uh, allowlist.io. Yeah. 
dot io dot io yeah okay great stuff and that's the best way that they can get in contact yeah yeah go go via the website you can reach out there's my beautiful face there on the side as well with a phone number to reach me and my um, beautiful yorkshire accent so yeah get in touch fantastically thank you very much for sponsoring this episode he's going to be sponsoring another one as well in the future so if there are any people out there who do need help uh, with the cybersecurity give lee a ring or give him an email thank you very much cheers guys have a good day this is the yorkshire great podcast big money decent money uh, you know neo pro um, it's nothing outrageous, but is it is the minimum thirty they have to pay you in the near? near uh, it's different with so if you're on a if you're on an employ it depends if you're on an employed team, which like all French teams are, they've got to be in like an employed contract. Okay. Or if you're like a self-employed team, so like maybe like Bahrain, yeah. Michigan Scott, I think these teams where basically you're on the team, you're self-employed and build a team for your for your contract. It's, there's two different. But you have to pay like, tax and stuff. Yeah, right? I yeah. pay all my tax in yeah, the UK yeah. and whatnot, and. Uh, yeah, it's like I it's, I think Neopro is like thirty six or thirty eight. I think thirty eight for if you're on an employee team. And then so you sign your contract, you're pro. What's the team like? Because we we spoke about other teams that we might, me and you, our personalities, <clears throat> we might have not yeah. found so great. Yeah. What's it been on a French team? Are they quite old school? Do they let you have a beer? Are they like no? Are they lock the cupboards? They're like Italian teams. No, nothing like the Italian. Like they're like um. There's this mentality around French teams that they're just French. Like it's. Like if you say grip arm FGA, like oh, yeah, French team, like there's like this stigma of a French team. Like what is a French team? Like no one actually knows how no, to define what this I don't think French I team mentality is, but like you know what I'm talking about. I, I wouldn't know how to yeah. Um moody, little bit yeah, kind of just um, a bit special and But it hasn't been like that. No, by no well, I mean they have their they have their quirks, but that's like any team. They'd probably say that about me being a British rider. They'd say, oh, he's, he's a British rider, you know, he's, he's yeah. got his quirks kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly, you know, it's got his quirks. It's They've got their their mentality, which is slightly different to that, the British mentality. Which is what, laid back or? I, I wouldn't be able to put my finger on it. Okay. Yeah, it's just something, something slightly different. It's just a different quirk. And, but, you know, it's it's a more international team now anyway. And like that classics, that classics team that we had at Omloop, Mark did a big speech before it. God, you had to mention that, didn't you? <laughs> you, had, <laughs> you had to mention Omloop, didn't you? But that was the first time the, the FDJ have never put in a French rider in the team. Did they not have really? No. I didn't, I so didn't. that was a completely, that was the first time ever that they've not had a French rider in the team and for did, any race. And what did he say? He just did a big speech before the race and was like, you know, this is the first, like, this is the first time that we've never had a French rider, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, you know, decent resort, he's like, yeah, fuck it, we don't need this French guys in this class. Uh, and, and was that in the bus before? <laughs> no, so that was the evening before in the hotel, I think it was. In, in, in Belgium? Yeah, yeah, in Belgium, yeah. So talk us about that, because that's, obviously people are going to want to hear um, lot. Mm. Um, you, got, you got the call up to do it. Were you pinging? Well, you're, you're obviously going well because you got yeah. fourth. You, you got a top ten in the town trial against bloody that monster. Yeah, you weren't yeah. even that far down from him. Yeah, from that Ineos guy. Seconds, what's yeah. his? What's his Ghana. name? What's he like? Is he just he's like a just, specimen? He's just unreal, isn't he? He's just a freak. Do you think he'll just win every? Do you think he could be like the next Cancellara? Do you think he could be? I did. Yeah, he's you know he's a similar build. And to be fair, I don't really, I, I don't really know him. I don't. Because he, he won just, one of the stages as well, monstrous. didn't he? Was yeah, best edge, yeah. Early attack, attack and then just stayed away and just was, monstered it to the line, basically. Was that quite a hard day, that? Yeah, it, it was like sticky on the pedals, but yeah, the break went away. No one really expected it to stay away. And then, you know, he just put in that outrageous attack where he was just seated, <laughs> just rode away from everyone. And suddenly the gap went from like, I think it was like at 15 seconds with like 12k to go or something. So yeah. it was like, yeah, we're going to get these boys back. And suddenly it was up at 40 seconds. And he was like, fuck, where's this gone? And... The stage was gone, but he's unreal, isn't he? He's just so strong. He's just yeah, 
He's yeah. got his speciality in. Yeah, so, is that right? So you got you got fourth overall, best young rider. Yeah. A uh, couple of top tens. Yeah. Unbelievable early season race. Loads of hitters. Like yeah. Loads yeah. of fucking hitters. Obviously, the four right, this lad's going all right here. Let's chuck him in. Umlop. Or... Yeah, so I, I was always going to start in Bessage, and then in my calendar, I always had Omloop and was like a replacement rider for Kern because Arno was riding. So they had me down as riding Omloop anyway. But obviously, I went so well at Bessage. I was like, okay, like, at least we've got, you know, this lad's a strong lad and he's in he's in Omloop, so at least he can help King and, and the Classics boys. And kind of that was basically my job. It was, you know, you can see on the TV, like I was trying to position them before Wolvenberg, before like the last 50k where it really kicks off. It goes from a real big road into, you turn right into a little road and then up Wolvenberg and then right across Hagheuk, which is the, the big cobbled section. And then you drop down and basically it's full gas from there along them, along them bergs for like the last 50k. So I was positioning them there, which was basically my job. And then kind of put them in position, survived over Wolvenberg in the cobble sections. And then, yeah, I just had decent legs and just kept finding myself in that front split, positioning myself well. And There was a big group at the end of the normal, isn't in Umlop. Mm. What was it like? Because you're not, well, no, you are. That is your speciality, really. But are you an expert in Belgium? Do you know all the climbs? You're kind of like one of these people that if you did a, a training ride from Udenard, you'd know where to go. Yeah, I think we've just spent so much time in Belgium. And the like with Belgian races is, because you have to know yeah, those like, climbs or you're fucked up. Fl- Flanders Classics, they're no, they're no different. They're just all the same climbs and all the same cobble sections, just in different orders. Yeah. And even as like under 23, you know, like I did like three, two, three editions of under 23 Flanders, which is basically all the same climbs as what you do in, in the normal Flanders, in Omloop, in all these races that are around the same area. So you kind of le- like get to learn where the climbs are and you know where they are and what order they come in. And even just, you know, we was out in Belgium for like three months training there with the with the academy. So yeah. it was in Zottegem, which is basically on Flanders, on the Flanders route. So you're always training on them. So you, you know where they come, but you know, if you to speak to me and then speak to Stefan Kung, like Stefan would make me look like I don't know anything. Like he can just rattle off every climb where it comes, how many K it is between each climb and, and all that. He seems like a weapon. He, oh, he's, like he yeah. is, he's a bit like how I'd want to look on the bike. Yeah, oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's just class and he just... And what's he like as a guy? Oh, he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's mega. Is he's, he? Yeah, 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 he's just, you know, I came into Algarve last year from the Conti team. And, you know, sometimes like you look at these big, these big names and like Kung is a big name now. He's, you know, he's he's a hitter. Third at World, was it third uh, at World Champ? Yeah, third yeah. at World. And like you look at some of these big hitters and they're kind of like... You can tell, like, they look at some neo pros and some of that, and they just like look down on them at like the end of their nose, and you know, this it's just a fucking neo pro basically. But like, Stefan was like at Algarve, like, he's dead, like, welcoming, like, chatting with me, all this, and like, and then it was like the same again when I signed World Tour in Flanders and Ghent. And I think part of it, you know, he saw like I was able to help him in the classics anyway, so of course, he's gonna, yeah, you know, be being like, uh nice to you and you know he's going to be welcoming and whatnot because if at the end of the day if you're going to have to do a job for him then he's not going to be a dickhead to you because he knows that you need him he needs you to work for him kind of thing but yeah he's yeah top guy and then you got second just behind david ballerini ballerini what was that like then was that did you feel because did he get a jump on you oh yeah so yeah so like we got over bosberg which was the final climb and then in the radio, basically, they said, look, we're going to ride for Jake for the finish because nice. that was the fastest finisher. We had like three of us there uh, with Kung and Jinyets. And Jinyets had already gone and fucking hard in the race. Like he'd gone across that gap with Pig Cut. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. When it was the big, uh, big group went away. So like he'd already gone so deep and he was like absolutely flying anyway. So he wasn't really going to have much of a kick at the end of a finish like that. And uh, 
yeah, he said, oh, look, we'll go for Jake. So they, they said, like, we was, like, pretty organised. Like, the last 10K, basically, was all together. And then, like, Kay and I have to go. Then Kung and Jeanette went for a gap, and a gap just closed up in front of me. So then I was trying to find their wheels, and I didn't really pick them up till like, 500 metres to go when I just got onto Jeanette's wheel just after that right-hander. So I managed to find a space through that right-hander. Wow. Picked him up just before the left-hander. And then he was... So there was Ballerini his lead out man in front of him. And then I think there was Gilbert, Gignettes, and then me. And we went through that left-hander. It's like two, 225 metres to the line. Usually, if, if you're first through that left-hand corner with a lead out man in front of you, you're going to win it because, you know, it's just so close to yes, the line. Yeah. So yeah, they got the kick on us, obviously. And then Gignettes closed the gap to Gilbert because there was a little one that opened up on the left-hander. And then I just kind of like launched it from there found a gap on the left-hand side of the road and, you know, got from the barriers. But it was kind of bittersweet because I was coming so fast at Ballerini and I was feeling so good in the sprint. Like, I knew if I'd been on his wheel going into that corner, then I would have been able to push him to the line. Nice. What was that like after going on the podium and stuff? Was that like a dream come true? Was it like... Yeah, it, it was really strange because obviously, you know, Ballerini, Seth Van Mark, like big names in cycling, yeah. you know, they know each other. And then it's like little old me, like little Neo Pro. <laughs> From commentary. Just, yeah, yeah, just like, <laughs> oh yeah, like, you know, like it, it just felt surreal. Like, it felt like I shouldn't have been, like it was imposter syndrome almost. Like yeah, it felt yeah, like yeah. I shouldn't have been there, but obviously... But then pick up yeah. the well next day. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you feel there's like a bit of a golden generation from the academy at that time now? Yeah, it's really funny. A bit like 1992, yeah. you know, Manchester United team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's funny. I've been speaking with this, like, with a couple of the lads before, like, that academy group that came through with Stuart Blunt. So it was like me, Hater, Walls, Tom, Fred Wright. Uh, I think there was eight of us on the programme, and I think five of us now are World Tour. Unbelievable. And, you know, like, Tom... Like multiple world champion, top three, he was third at Kern, like our second at Omni. Fred was like fourth in a Vuelta stage last year. Picked, um, haters already team pursuit world champion, and like he won one of them races in Italy last year. Like you look at that year that Stuart Blunt had with us juniors, and you're like, yeah, fuck me, maybe this is the start of like you know like that Garen era when it was like that golden generation with Rod Ellingworth. Yeah, it's like almost like yeah, maybe we're on the edge of summit, something great again with 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 like a British area of bike riders, which is pretty exciting. Do you get on with Tom Peacock? Is he is he like a mate of yours? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've like grown up with him from junior, like we was on with Stuart Blunt together. You know, there's a load of photos going around last week from uh, from like us two racing together and, um, you know, Stuart Blunt put out some tweets about us lads and whatnot. And yeah, he's, he's a good mate in, in cycling and in life anyway. And You must rate him on the bike. He's like... Yeah, he's a fucking weapon, isn't he? It's just... Uh, yeah, to get fifth at Strada and stuff, it's just... Yeah. You wouldn't want to race against him, would you? If it, well, if it was really hilly, do you reckon he would... would yeah, get... I, I think it's... I, I, Tom is just... Yeah, he's something special, isn't he? I think uh, no matter what he's racing, he's he puts if he puts 100% into it, he's going to come away with a good result. So to round off, where do you... You know, what's your future goals? What do you... You know, you've achieved so much this year already but where do you see yourself in you know in a few years time what's your aims what sort of rider yeah i think um classics is where my heart is i think the kind of characteristics that i have like on the bike you know I'm, i've got a quick finish on me after a hard day of racing from a small bench which basically characterizes classics racing uh, i think certainly like that's where my strengths lie so that's something that i'd love to try and pursue and you know do a good career on in in the classics and uh you know, we've got a really nice classics team at FDJ anyway. It's pretty international and we're all a good bunch of lads and get on really well. So I think, you know, certainly even like for British cycling, we've got some good years in the classics. But I think, you know, with this, the French teams also, with AG Tuara as well as FDJ now, I think we've got some really good uh, 
like quality of bike riders coming mm. through for the classics and uh yeah i think it's going to be an exciting few years for cycling really in the like classics and across the board so what's your next race what's your what's your program like uh next race is nokia course and then uh what, is that this sunday is that uh, next wednesday so you'll go when do you go over to belgium i think i fly over next monday next monday tuesday nice yeah nokia course i can i can't remember the order but it's like nokia course cockside e3 Japan, possibly Ghent, and then I've got Roubaix, maybe Flanders, maybe <laughs> uh, uh, Van Vlaanderen, and then, yeah, Romandy is basically as far as I know. And how do you feel going into these? Are you walking on clouds at the moment? Is uh, you know, got no chain on the bike? How does it feel? You're just flying? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I've proven my uh, my forms there, and I'm feeling really good on the bike anyway, so just kind of tapering that form, and it's like one of them things like, I've always like be, like been told like these bike riders that are winning races they just ride with like an air of confidence and like if you win a bike race you've got that confidence and then you just carry it across into your next bike race and yep. you know if if nothing's really knocking your confidence then you're just going to be performing um, and I kind of carried that confidence from best surgeon to to Omloop like I knew I was good enough to be able to get a result so why the fuck not try for one and I certainly think you know second at Omloop is not out of the question that I can win one of these smaller semi classics even you know a hard classics race that's world tour standard you know i can perform with these bike riders so why the fuck not just going to these races with all the confidence mm. i've got and just just try and win well look jake it's been phenomenal having you here obviously you know seeing what you've been doing recently and stuff and um you've come across as this really because i'm so interested in talking to people like i love talking to people and i love knowing what people are like and um yeah you know, you don't seem obsessed. You seem like you've got a life outside of cycling and you've got hobbies and you probably just love Netflix and chill and whatever and stuff like that. And I think you seem like you're in a really great place at the moment. A little bit envious, to be honest. No, yeah. I'm <laughs> um, It's going to be great watching you. I'm going to be really, um, you know, obviously I, I love Gab's colleague and I love Rob Scott, Connor Swift and people, but I'll be really... Um, I'm going to be really rooting for you yeah. because you just seem like you've really got your head switched on. And yeah. And like I said at the beginning, you seem miles ahead, years ahead of, you know, you just sign, you could be spunking all your money on shit and, yeah. you know, <laughs> or going on a bender and, you know, but you, you, you don't seem that type of person. Yeah. I think uh, it's just, it's just the way I've been brought up. I think, I think I've had, you know, such a supportive support network around me and, you know, I haven't really, you know, I've been fortunate to not really encounter many issues in my life either family personal mental health and all this and you know i'm fortunate that i've you know had a pretty easy life up until the point that i'm at now so yeah i think it, a lot of it is you know luck yep and yeah you just kind of run with it fantastic jake it's been amazing i hope your drive back is all right um okay. thank you very much for coming over to leeds hope you've enjoyed it thank you for the cap no worries am i going turbo tonight with that class think of me morale. <laughs> yeah. i just i just love going on the turbo i just like putting on like um i've been watching those yeah I, i've seen on your stories like old uh flanders oh, races love like, it Roubaix. but i love these um, these ronda 100 101 yeah, yeah, yeah the behind the scenes yeah with like rob hatch and, yeah, yeah. Um, and they go behind the scenes in the cars like tom Steele's and um wilfred peters yeah. and like oh god my damn them is dss it's like having matt madia <gasps> Is he? Is he? Is oh, he loves it. Does he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, my like probably my first memory, right, that I've got of Matt Madio is that tour stage. I can't remember where it was, and he was just leaning. Out, yes, you, you can remember with Timo leaning out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Pino leaning out the side of the car, just banging on the side. Uh, he must have put a dent in the side of the door. Like he was just absolutely mental. And like, that was my first memory of it. And I was like, at the time, I was like, fuck me, this is like this yeah. guy is just 
it must be for the cameras or something like but it's not it's, honestly it is just pure passion is that what he's like it in real life pure, yeah yeah completely like and then like even like I don't know was it two years ago one year ago that uh, stage on Plunge de Belfi there was like a video backstage where uh, it was on that the first time they did the gravel section on Plunge de Belfi yeah. Yeah, and he was like watching it on the big screen and he was just going absolutely Yeah, bonkers. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then even like last year when Arno won uh, French Championships, he was like running up and down the bus. And then, <laughs> so like I'd never really met him until that point. And then the first time I met him was uh, before Flanders, I think it was. And he was in the car as DS for Flanders. And like he came onto the bus in the morning. He had a SIS caffeine gel in his hand and he just popped the caffeine gel and he said, yeah, today's our day. And he's like... <laughs> He's like, if I'm in the car, it's like I'm on the bike, and he just went, like, he just went mental. It's just pure passion. It's, none of it is for the cameras. It is just pure passion and love for the sport. I, I would need something like that. Yeah, he can't just, have these quiet. No, 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 no. He just when he's in the car, he's just unreal. I like would, in in Omloop, he was just screaming down my ear the last K, just screaming down the ear. And did he give you a big hug afterwards? Was he impressed with you? Yeah, I, I, he was certainly impressed. I don't mean he didn't give me a big hug. He's a bit more. Uh, bit more reserved than that he's a pretty cool character he's uh he'll speak to you in french but he understands english he won't speak to you in english but won't he no 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 but i occasionally but he understands more english than he lets on and where does he and, live uh, in france do you know does he no he's uh he's not far from paris i don't think he's just oh, outside okay. paris but yeah he's just he's the kind of guy that you want in a team because yeah, of he's course. just, yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. pure passion and yeah you, you just need the, the sport like the opposite of Ineos or something like you know yeah. you want someone who's going to be like fucking it Right, I better get back because yeah. uh, uh, I don't know what I'm having for dinner tonight. So what do I fancy tonight? Chippy. Well, I'm trying to be good. It's been four days now where I haven't eaten in the night or like I'd like shit. Right. Okay. I've eaten shit food for four days. Okay. Um. So, but I did have some beers last night. That's only because Liverpool. Honestly, mate, it's fucking depressing. Uh, so now I'm going to try and be healthy. I'm going to try and be healthy tonight. But look, Jake, thanks ever so much for coming on. It's been so interesting just hearing about you and like, where does this lad come from type thing. All the best in the future. No, cheers for having me. Anytime. Mega. Thank you very much. See you soon. Cheers, thank you. The Yorkshire Grit Podcast. Subscribe now on iTunes and Spotify.